Today's New Testament reading is the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 27th chapter. When morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, What is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed, and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priests, taking the pieces of silver, said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury, since it is blood money. So they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field, as a burial place for strangers. Therefore that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel. And they gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. This is the word of the Lord. For today's meditation on God's word, we welcome Pastor Lucas Woodford. Grace and peace to you on this day. The reading for today from Matthew puts us right into the heart of the passion of our Lord. However, this account deals with some of the -the behind-the-scenes elements that put everything into motion, along with the ugly ending that came to the betrayer of Jesus. Matthew's Gospel account tells us what happened to Judas Iscariot once he saw that Jesus was condemned. Overcome with guilt, Judas tries to give back the 30 pieces of silver that he had arranged and agreed with the chief priests and elders. Which, by the way, that amount, those 30 pieces, was the Old Testament amount prescribed to compensate someone for a dead slave. Now, Judas is desperate for absolution regarding the consequences of his action, but it seems not for the action itself. Now, interestingly, he goes to the chief priests and elders, the ones who God had formally established as the individuals who would deliver that absolution from God. But they blatantly refuse. And they tell Judas that, look, this is your own problem. What's it to us? You deal with it. And yet at the same time, they recognize that they condemned an innocent man because they know that it wasn't lawful to take blood money and use it for the temple treasury. And so their hypocrisy here is astounding. The chief priests and elders are cold and heartless, and Judas is despairing, desperate for some hope. But the chief priests and elders were so intent on getting what they wanted, and by whatever means it took, they didn't care the carnage it created along the way. If we are honest, I think this gives us pause to reflect on our own lives and see that you and I can often very much do the same thing at times. Our own sinfulness shows itself in our disordered passions and desires, which very often blinds us to the consequences of our words and actions. Perhaps it's a fit of rage or passion and anger or jealousy or vengeance. 
we act like those Pharisees, so intent on getting what we want that we fail to see the price that we'll pay and the carnage that our behavior and our words will wreak upon others. Or maybe it's that we're like Judas. We don't realize the great error and harm of our behavior and words until it's too late. The consequences can often hurt and harm countless others that we didn't think about. When we realize the great harm we've done, it can bring us to the brink of despair. And despair is a dangerous place to walk. See, that's where Judas was. He was walking in despair. He was without hope. He thought all was lost. And rather than go to Jesus himself for forgiveness, Judas despairs of all hope and kills himself because of his treachery. Despair is an ugly and lonely place to be. But you see, that is the place the devil most wants us to be. Luther, always the great pastor that he was, gives us great insight to this in his small catechism and what it means to pray the sixth petition. In the Lord's Prayer, in that petition we pray, and lead us not into temptation. And Luther invites us to consider, what does this mean? He says, God tempts no one. But we pray in this petition that God would guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our sinful nature may not deceive us or mislead us into false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. And though we are attacked by these things, we pray that we may finally overcome them and win the victory. You see, that is where we live right now. Not in despair but in the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Betrayed by Judas and sent to the cross, not for just his treachery, but for all your treachery, my treachery. He was made to bleed and suffer for your sins and mine. Jesus bore that cross so that we might have hope. Because in that cross, we have life. In that cross, we have forgiveness. Jesus went through that so that you and I might have life and have it abundantly. Yes, the devil will do his best to deceive you and mislead you into all kinds of misbelief, false belief, and despair, but he is a defeated devil. Jesus has won the victory. Walking out of that tomb three days later, he conquered sin, death, and the devil for you. Baptized into his name, Jesus has claimed you as his very own. When you are tempted to despair, Christ comes and lifts you out of that darkness, the darkness of your sorrow and sin, and he sets you in his everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness so that you can walk in the hope of life everlasting, that you here and now can live in his love and rest in his forgiveness, knowing that he is the Lord of your life. In him the victory has been won. Amen.